Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. That's a clear anointing. It's like Aaron in the Old Testament before that, the priest, when he was anointed to be the high priest. Same type of thing. For us, we know the New Testament talks about us that we have an anointing from the Lord. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come to the church. He'd be our helper, our paracletos. He's by our side. He comes into us. He leads and guides us in all truth. Confirms the word of God as being the word of God. Makes it living and powerful. He's made us alive. We pass from death to life. And we have an anointing. We have an anointing and the ability to read God's word and understand it properly. It's alive. It's not just ink on paper. We hear it and it pierces our bone, soul, marrow, and spirit. We read it. It does the same thing. Or as Paul said to Thessalonians, it works effectively in us who believe. That's what it does. So we have the anointing of the spirit. We have the anointing of the word. But we really have the anointing for our life, that we're empowered, which really brings us to the Holy Spirit. Now, my point is not to do a full study on the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life, but I will say, with the Holy Spirit, we're told to be filled with the Spirit in the New Testament, and the idea of being Spirit-filled is that we're overflowing, because Jesus talked about the Spirit overflowing from our lives. So if someone says to me, that's a Spirit-filled woman, that's a Spirit-filled man, I just picture the Spirit of God just overflowing from their lives like torrents of living water, which is what Jesus said as he described the Spirit. But then when I put other passages of the New Testament with that, I think, well, we're told that there's the mind of the Spirit. So in how I work, I I see like a brain (laughs) in my mind. I see like the mind of the Spirit is a perfect mind. Now, my mind is imperfect. It's corrupted. It was born in corruption. Every cell in my body has an element of corruption in it because I'm a son of Adam, and it's being transformed from glory to glory, just like you. So even the most brilliant mind that can do brilliant things without Christ, it's corrupted. So when we have the mind of Christ, we begin to think like Christ. We begin to see like Christ. What's really the the heart of the gospel, the four gospels, is Jesus showing these guys how how to live their lives as his disciples. As, I, as you see me do here tonight, I've given you an example that you would do the same when he washed their feet. So the mind of Christ is the, the Holy Spirit. The mind of Christ and the mind of the Spirit are one and the same. It's the Spirit guiding us to discern truth and falsehood, right and wrong, the right road, the wrong road. And really, that the book of Proverbs, that knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. The mind of Christ, the mind of the Spirit, is the ability to see something and understand the right course of action in it supernaturally. That's why in the gifts of the Spirit, we're told there's a gift of wisdom and there's a gift of knowledge. So I'm coming to that just now. But the first thing we, we think of being spirit-filled, overflowing like a torrent of living water. But then you say, well, we're told that we have the mind of the Spirit, so that's like to think like Jesus. That's to transform. Not to be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. 
But then we're told we have the fruit of the Spirit, right? Galatians 5 talks about being the fruit of the Spirit. So the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness. Those words can be interpreted a little bit different depending if it's like a New King James or an NIV or Living Translation. But the words have their basic concept of ideas, particularly the first three and the last one, self-control. But the idea is that like there's fruit. I remember years ago, Pastor Brian Broderson said something that really resonated to me that a fruit tree doesn't produce fruit for itself. It produces fruit for other people to come and get the fruit. So a spirit-filled woman, a spirit-filled man with the mind of the spirit, their life is going to produce love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and meekness. And it's not for them to enjoy. It's for others to enjoy from our life. So that's an anointing we want, right? And the way things have been and are just in the human experience, confessing Christ, we want to, we want to produce these kind of fruit. So in my mind, I, I, see, I see a brain in my mind for the, the mind of the spirit, but I see a fruit basket for this one. I see like a really nice fruit basket. I'm like, oh, the Lord wants me to have this brain, not this one, <laughs> which is a good upgrade, of course. And this fruit from my life. But the fruit of the spirit, of course, is contrasted with the works of the flesh, which is, we don't even need to go there. It's all bad. It's everything sons of Adam and daughters of Eve are without the Lord. So the anointing is to take us from wrath and envy and jealousy and strife and malice and all these things to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness. That's a, in my daily goals, I got something else going on right now that I'm looking at every day on my phone. Gentleness, kindness, meekness. Just boom, 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 those three words. Can't hurt, right? Just once a day in the morning, remind myself of my Bible study. Okay, what's my vision? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Gentleness, kindness, meekness. Let's just let's slow it down. Because I, I rev up as the day goes on, right? Jory Brand, my RPMs start running a little high. And I've been on a low RPM for a couple months now, and it's like, whoa. Kindness, gentleness, meekness. If you're 60, you probably got 20 years, and it'd be much better to finish it with kindness, gentleness, meekness than harshness, wrath, and pride, right? Like our anger. Like, and if you're younger, more, better for you, more fruit. We want the fruit of the Holy Spirit coming from our life. We want people to come to us and go, oh, my goodness, this woman, like, look at this fruit. This is amazing coming from our life. Jesus overflowing with the Lord. Then we have the gifts of the Spirit. So there in Corinthians, we have all these spiritual gifts. So the fruit's sort of for the world. The, the fruit's for everybody. The mind is for you to think like the Lord. The fruit is for everyone in the world to enjoy. The gifts are for service in the church. So you can build up one another as iron sharpens iron, and we can use the gifts. And we have this anointing and this empowerment. So we've, we've been humbled, and we were raised up, and we were spirit-filled. And, and you have these gifts to build up one another, and you have the gift of teaching or the, the uh, prophetic word, or you just the different gifts that you get, like wisdom or, or, or faith and healing. So I just see like a bunch of Christmas presents. Like God's got a bunch of gifts and, I, and, I, and we should want to get them. Like I want to come to church and I want the gifts he's given me to benefit you. Like when it's Operation Christmas Child, they're all bringing all this stuff, packing up shoe boxes. Like here, here's the gifts. Use the gifts that the Holy Spirit's given you. You're empowered. Use the gifts. Let's shine for the Lord. Let's do this. And then... The Bible talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is to be the witness for the Lord, like to really like be a witness for the gospel. So the fruit is the fruit, like that's Jesus in you. The gifts are for the body of Christ, building up the body of Christ. 
But when the Bible talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's associated with witnessing for Christ in life and word in the book of Acts. And with John the Baptist, it's associated with fire. And with Pentecost, they had tongues of fire above them. So for me, I just picture the fire. I've got a four square with the Holy Spirit. I've got a four square. And, and it's, it's like a square cut in force. So it's mind of, mind of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, baptism of the Spirit. And if you get confused, just see the well overflowing and get all of it. But empowered not by my wit or my strength or the wisdom of men or the education of men devoid of God or the power of men, for it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Mm. That's what he says in the Old Testament. And Paul, quoting Jeremiah, said, let us not boast in our wisdom or our strength, but let us boast in this. Let him or her who boasts, let him boast that they know the Lord. That's the empowerment because it goes back to the humility. So God raises up the humble. He empowers us. We want to be empowered. So as we're going forward the rest of this year, as we're finishing 2 Samuel, it's like we're on a road trip and we're, we're this is a long rest stop. You know, it's a two-hour stop, right? This is, this is not, it's not a quick one. You know, we're like sitting down, we're eating, we're doing all this stuff. It's not a quick little 20 minutes gas stop like Love's or something in East Arizona. Like, this, we're just we're sitting down. You know, like we just drove... A lot. We're just, we're, there's a major off-ramp. We might be staying here tonight. We finished Second Samuel. These are the last words of David. It's worth thinking about. That at the end of our life, we can look at our children, our children's children, even our children's children's children, it's possible, and say, you know, the Lord empowered me to do all these things. His Spirit was upon me, and I'm praying right now that His Spirit will be upon you. Because he got me from 1961 to this day, and he's going to get you from 1990 to your day and 20, 2018 to your day. And, and that's how we want to see it. We want to just see everything in this universe through the eyes of faith and through the eyes of the coming kingdom. So we want to be empowered. Jesus said to seek, knock, and ask for the Holy Spirit, and he'll give, it, he'll give him to us. And there are mysteries to the Holy Spirit sometimes that we, we were like, wow, I like the Holy Spirit. But listen the mind, the fruit, the gifts, and the baptism, to be empowered, all of it. Like if you're an athlete and you can be like strong, like I want to be strong, and they say you can be fast, I want to be fast. I want to be really smart. I want, okay, a smart athlete. Well, you know, the, who are the superstars in sports? The ones that are smart, fast, and strong. So would it make sense to like, hey, as long as we're lined up for gifts, can I get all of them? Do you think the Lord wants to give us more? in the final third of 2022, or is he going to retract? He just wants to give us more. Now, it'd be like, again, using a sports analogy, hey, coach, you know, like, I want to I wanna know, I want to know, I want to play more. It's like, well, take the playbook home and learn some more plays. Like, we do our part, too. Like, like Jesus in the water pots of Cana. Hey, you fill the water pots, then he'll turn it to wine. And what you get, you get. So if you fill the water pots, you'll get a full water pot. Hey, he told the prophet, the prophet told the king, strike the ground, it's your arrow of deliverance. He strikes it three times, but he get three victories. What's he telling him afterwards? You should have struck it a lot more, we'd have more victory. So there is that element of us seek knocking and asking and going for those things. Then he says in verse two as well, the sweet psalmist of Israel. I've been thinking about this one since I taught it Tuesday night. I've been really thinking about it. So David, in identifying... 
he doesn't identify himself as a king. In his final words, he's not saying, you know, the, the, the king, that king. He even says, my house is not so. So he really puts his whole being a king and his princes that became kings after him, like Solomon, he sort of puts that under like, well, we weren't so, but we're in an everlasting covenant and God is good and we will not make it increase. So being a king, he puts all under grace because he knows he failed as a king. He knows his sin led to this, led to that, led to this, led to that. He multiplied wives. He did this and that. Then Bathsheba and Uriah and Oz and then Amnon, Absalom and so on and so forth. So he doesn't appeal as a king looking back on his life. When he gives himself one identity, think about this, on the day of the Lord, when he gives himself one identity to be remembered by or reflected on his life, that identity is the sweet psalmist of Israel, the man who wrote songs about the Lord, the man who sang about the Lord in the field after he defeated the lion. The man who sang about the Lord when he was running from his son Absalom in tears. And aren't you glad that the great strength of David's legacy in our life is not that he defeated Goliath or he didn't pick up Saul's spear, but the great legacy and impact of David's life, apart from, of course, Jesus coming through the line of David via the Virgin Mary, the great legacy of David's life is the Psalms that he wrote. How many of you, in the darkest days of your life, when you open the Bible, you go to the Psalms? That's what we do. As a minister showing up so many times in the most arduous and grievous of situations, I don't show up and tell people about David defeating Goliath and cutting his head off, or not even throwing the spear back at Saul. I get up and I say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters and green pastures. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's what I get up and say, graveside with a little casket. That's what Scott would say as a pastor. That's what Sam would say. That's what we would say to family and friends. We're not talking about David failing as a king with Bathsheba. We're talking about David. We're quoting David's Psalms and what he wrote in the human experience. And we praise the Lord for those songs because they have been a source of great comfort for us. It's the word of God. And God speaks his word through human emotion and human experience. God at various times spoke in various ways through the prophets and has now in these last days spoken to us through his son. But as he spoke in various times in various ways, he gave us the poetic books like Job and Proverbs, but the Psalms of David. All those first 41 Psalms, straight up they're all David's. There's a bunch more David ones, but they're just... And you, we sing these songs. There, there's lines from these Psalms that are in so many of the songs we sing, you don't even know you're singing a psalm. Now, if you're from the 80s, and you're a Calvary Chapel background, you know you sing a lot of these songs as psalms because at Pastor Chuck's world... All those Maranatha and all those original stuff. When I first got saved in the 80s going to Calvary Chapel, I would be singing all these songs that I love, and then I'd be re- reading through the Bible the first time, and I'd read it. I was like, Phil, this is that song. This is the song that we sing with Phil. And this is not Phil Wickham, but a different Phil. Like, this is the song we sing. And, and, and like, this is, this is Eddie Hill. I thought this was Eddie Hill's song. This is David's song. And isn't that beautiful? That 3,000 years ago, when he went from being anointed as a teenager to taking a census as a proud king, that in that human experience, he wrote all these psalms that cover the, the, the width and breadth of the human experience, and they're there for us. He is the sweet psalmist of Israel. 
And I'm so grateful for that. And the thing that really has me thinking about this is that was his gift. Now, he was fearless. He was a warrior. I mean, the guy killed a bear, a lion, and Goliath, right? When he was older, though, he thought he was going to take out a giant and he had to be saved by Abishai. We just saw that on Tuesday night. He's like, ah, take him down, and then the guy's going to kill him, and Abishai saves his life. There's a point where you can't defeat the giants anymore, but you can sing till your last breath in Jesus' name. In fact, Melissa Henning Camp, before she stepped into eternity, about 10 minutes before she stepped into eternity, you know the story, her mom singing to her, and she said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to walk with Jesus. When I get to heaven, I'm going to see his face. She was doing the hand signals, and I'm sitting there here, and she's singing to her daughter there, and she's eyes closed, coma, lost 40 pounds, her vital organs are shutting down, and Bam, the eyes open up on that song, and she jumped out of the bed, over the rail, going to my left shoulder. She was singing praise music when Jesus came for her. The ones we sing with our kids down here and are singing with your kids right now down here. She was ready for the day of the Lord at 21. And she went with her mom leading her in praise song. And what a good way for her mom to commit her to eternity, by the way, too. If you're a mom giving up a 21-year-old daughter in the prime of her life four months after she's married to Jeremy Camp, isn't that the best way to go, singing those same praise songs you sang to her when she was a little girl, and then she stepped into eternity with the king? That's a great source of comfort 20 years later, which is how long it's been. I'm sure of it. But he was the sweet psalmist of Israel, which leaves us with his final thought on this third point. Raised up and empowered and gifted. He was a great singer. He would have been a, he would have been a, obviously, he probably would have been a great songwriter and a great singer without the Lord. But he's a great songwriter and a great singer with the Lord. And for hundreds of years, they followed his, his lessons with the praise and worship in Israel. And to this day, on planet Earth right now, it's not an exaggeration to say hundreds, if not thousands, of men and women are learning songs right now to praise Jesus in different languages that are influenced by the Psalms of David or even contain the content and the words of the Psalms of David. It's just all those, it's the word. In fact, he said in verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. And it was as the psalmist and the things that he did. So this is a key thought tonight. This is really what I've been thinking about for the end of our life. When we get to the end of our life, what really is the one identity? See, because people might say, oh, you were the king of Israel. You beat the giant. You do this. You beat a land of bear. You're a warrior. But in his own eyes, reflecting on his life, his identity was the sweet psalmist of Israel. Summarize your life in one sentence. Because the Lord, you were born in the house of Jesse like any human being. You had your parents and your family. But God raised you up because you were faithful and you were humble and you were that person that sought the Lord. And God empowered you by his spirit to defeat Goliath and do all these great things. And at the end of your life, you see yourself as the psalmist of Israel. So I ask myself and I ask us, what do we see ourselves? Who do we see ourselves as on the day of the Lord? I've been thinking about this. Which identity is really our identity? See, people will see an identity for us. When I step into eternity, there are people that are going to identify me as the pro surfer, the pipe master, the California kid, and all that stuff. And there are people that are going to come to my memorial. That's, that's how they see me. That's my identity as a surf champion in the Hall of Fame. There'll be people that see me as the pastor who went to Virginia and went for it. There'll be people that see me as associated with Jeremy Camp and Phil Wickham and Worship Generation. There's going to be different opinions of me when you think of me after I'm gone, as there'll be different opinions of you when they think of you when you're gone, because I've done enough memorials to know you get 200 people together, they all have a different perspective and opinion of the person they're eulogizing and remembering. But this is David's opinion, and that's what gets my attention as being distinct. 
It's as if you're writing, the, you're doing the slideshow for your memorial. And what do you want people to think that how you saw yourself? And I must say, in 35 years of ministry, I have wrestled at times with being a pastor. Anyone that's a pastor knows what that's like. Half the time you're a pastor, you're trying to figure out how to not be a pastor. Because the devil just beats you up, beats you up, beats you up, and never lets up. You're playing big league ball every day of your life. Like I said last week, my grandfather fought in World War II, and I wear his dog tag sometimes from World War II, Guadalcanal and Iwo Jima. And I've never done a day of military, and I probably couldn't. But I have no shame in wearing my grandfather's dog tags from World War II because I fought the devil for 35 years in ways that some of you can't even imagine. I sat in a car with Victor Marx and have a demonic entity shake the entire car or in there together. Like, I've lived the book of Acts. And some of you have too. I'll wear my grandfather's dog tags because I've been at war for 35 years with the principalities and the powers and the kingdom of darkness, as have you. I always tell people, you doubt Jesus is real? Give your life to him and see how real the devil is and you'll know how real Jesus is. It's a battle. The battle for, I spent 14 months in Vermont to see how hard the devil will fight for one soul. Like Jesus going across uh, the Sea of Galilee to Gennesaret to have one crazy man get saved. They went through a storm that had fishermen fearing for their life, for one soul, actually, too, when you combine the Gospels. Now, I can't speak for you, and we're all at different ages in our life, but I can speak for me. And at this point in my life, when I think how one sentence, I want to remember it for the pastor that was willing to go for it, because we did go for it. We went for it at Vista with the drug and alcohol ministry. We went for it in Virginia Beach. We went for it in Vermont. We came back, we went for it, wherever we could go for it. We went for it with Pastor Chuck, brought all those young people in, Scott, Bobby, Danny, Joe Hanchel, all, and we just went for it. I want to be remembered as a pastor that goes for it. You won't remember me as a pastor of a large church. It's going to take Alex decades to edit all my studies so they make sense, if anyone ever does it. But I'll remember myself, when I look back at my life, that which I take the most joy in is that we were willing to go. And I guess that kind of goes back to being a surfer because I was always willing to go for it. And I was willing to go for it in ministry when it seemed crazy. I was willing to go for it to plant a church in Virginia when it seemed crazy. Go for it and go to Vermont and leave a fruitful church behind. Go for it and go on south with Pastor Chuck. Get, get Thursday night hand to me. Go for it. Let Mario Polanco do a cartwheel on the stage with an electric guitar in his hand or Giovanni Polanco. You get called in the Chuck's office. Oh, what was that? I'm like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It was a cartwheel with an electric guitar. Uh, oh, I want, that's, if I look in the mirror, see, I'm not so much saying to you, but if I look in the mirror, because you look in the mirror, and you're not fading, but it's your final statement, I, I, like, the pastor who would go for it, go for it with Team Chile, Team USA, twice, Team England, Great Britain, the movie, with Hector all over Hawaii, doing the crazy things we do with the movie, what do you want your identity to be? when these are the last words of your life. Because what is in front of us is to be raised up. What is in front of us is to be anointed. And what is in front of us is the rest of the story. That would be the one sentence that you want your life to be defined by in your relationship with God. We can't all sing like David or Scott Cunningham. But we can all look in the mirror at a life well lived, faithfully lived to Jesus Christ. And that's what I see in this text. 
Oh, as a, David, what about being a king in the airport? <laughs> Forget about the king stuff. It kind of it went south. But you know, I'm not so. It should be like this. I wasn't that, but God's gracious and I'm under a covenant. We'll put that one under grace. Joy, what about all things you want to forget about? Yeah, just put those under grace and mercy. Like the three days with the plague. We'll just put that under grace and mercy. But this is how I want to be remembered. And I think it's it's a really good verse this way because there's a lot in these two chapters that I could have taught and I'm just so drawn to this right here for all of us. Like, what, what really do we want to define us when we're giving our last words to people we love and care about us? That's what this text challenges us to do tonight. The last words of David, the last words of you and me, and the legacy of our life to be raised up, anointed, and have the gifts God's given us to be super empowered with that anointing that we'd speak for the Spirit of the Lord and His Word would be on our tongue in Jesus' name. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.